You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. I got a couple of special guests on the show with me, one returning guest and a new guest, and we'll start uh, with the queen, um, Dr. Miriam. Um, Jernigan, how you doing, Queen? Thank you so much for being with us this morning and the truth seekers. And we also have a returning guest, Amico's Chambers. If y'all will say hello to each other. But again, um, Dr. Jernigan, we'll start with you. If you will say hello uh, to the truth seekers as well and give people a little bit of your background before I let the cat out of the bag on this morning's discussion question. Thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, So I'm Dr. Merriam is usually what my clients call me. I am a licensed psychologist currently um, located in the Atlanta area, but trained and lived and worked um, in the Massachusetts and Connecticut area for many, many years, um, both while uh, an advanced graduate student, but certainly after completing my doctoral studies. And in terms of folks that I work with, I'm trained to really work across the lifespan, so children, adolescents, families, spent a lot of time in private practice working with mostly clients of color um, from a variety of ethnic backgrounds and also specializing in really thinking about uh, some uh, women-related experiences, uh, couple therapy as well. No, I love it. Very extensive background and perfect for this morning's discussion. Returning guests. Uh, D'Amico's Chambers, if you will, Coach, I'm sorry, Coach D'Amico's, um, if you will. Thanks a lot, King, for being back with us. Uh, you also have a background in therapy and particularly helping black men in, in regards to relationships and things of that nature. So uh, ap- absolutely um, the aptitude to do this morning's show. But if you will, give people a little more of your background. You are an author and also uh, a co-host, and I've been on your show 
um, Black Men and Cigars, just to highlight that. I hope I haven't stole your Thunder King, but thanks for being back with us. Say hello to uh, Dr. Merriam and to the Truth Seekers and give us a little bit of your background. Thanks again for being with us. Yeah, no problem. You know, I'm out here doing a little bit at a time. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> great morning, everyone. Uh, great morning um, to the ladies as well. Uh, it's a pleasure to be able to share this uh, uh, platform with you all. Uh, yeah, Fear Coach D'Amico's here, uh, Black Men and Cigars podcast on YouTube. I specialize in uh, helping black men uh, face the fears that keep them from uh, accomplishing goals that can change their lives. So um, that's what I do in a nutshell. I'm also an uh, ambassador for therapy, uh, therapyforblackmen.org. Uh, it's a, it's a, a, a mental health directory specifically for black men. But, you know, occasionally I get black women that message me on there as well uh, for um, a potential client. So, um, but, yeah, that, I'm just here to uh, share my experience and, and contribute to the conversation. Thank you. Uh- no, absolutely. And speaking of um, black men in therapy, shout out to Undugu, um, very um, critical in making sure I, this morning show got pulled off. So I wanted to shout Maurice and um, for helping me pull off this morning show. So without further ado, let's get into this morning's discussion question. Again, I go by the name Black Socrates. If you are a first-time listener, in a sense, we like to take the Socratic method, in a sense, to get to the answers by asking the right questions, if you will. And so we do our show in the form of a question. And this morning's discussion question is, are you honest with your therapist? Are you honest with your therapist? So easily, uh, easy to see that you got two esteemed guests that can handle this question uh, fully and, and go in depth. But if we will, we'll start with you, Queen uh, Dr. Marion. Before we go to our first break here, I always start the show a, a very particular way, and it's not going too deep, but it's just simply when you heard the question worded the way that it is. Can you recall your mm-hmm. very first thought without going too deep about the other thoughts? I'd just like to hear the initial thought when I say, hey, you know, obviously um, Maurice from Mondugo helped get, pull you in for us. And uh, when you heard yesterday, mm-hmm. hey, this is the question. What did you first think when you first heard it? I immediately just thought of uh, clients that I've worked with and the fact that um, <laughs> my first association was that most people are probably not honest with their therapist, at least not initially. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. All right, for you, um, Coach D'Amico's, uh, your first thought, I reached out to you a few days ago and said, hey, brother, need you on this show. This is what you do. When I told you, hey, I think I'm a matter of fact, I tried to describe it to you. Say, hey, I thought it was a wonderful show. Now I'm trying to put it together. So here's the question. What was your first initial thought uh, as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, this, uh, as the doctor said, yeah, most clients uh, um, with patients on there definitely withhold information uh, that could uh, <laughs> a lot more, even more accountability on their end um, in sessions. Uh, I definitely experienced that with me as a coach. That's definitely uh, it, it, I can go into a whole bit, but yeah, that's definitely uh, stories with clients even that are ashamed to do something because they know they're going to have to bring it up in therapy. <laughs> Now, the last thing, the last touch point that you brought up, I think, is a critical part of um, this discussion. We've got just a couple of minutes before we go to our first break, is the idea of 
like you said, even the idea of having to be honest or or just thinking that I'm supposed to be honest and how just that thought alone takes makes people who obviously if they're thinking about the need for therapy, but that's what keeps them from going, they're in need of therapy but refuse to go just because of the honest component or, as you even mentioned, the, the concept of shame. Uh, Dr. Mary, I'll throw it back to you. We just got, like I said, we got about a minute and a half before we go to our first break. Uh, but just any thoughts on just the idea of having to be honest and how it keeps people from even starting the process of getting therapy? Yeah, the other thing, you know, the second thing that came to mind with me was just thinking about, certainly in my practice, the importance of, you know, walking with folks along the journey so that they develop more insight. And so one of the questions that, you know, came to mind for me is, you know, are how, um, where are people with regard to their ability to be honest with themselves? So as I think about in therapy, you know, their ability to sit and to share with me, um, intimate thoughts or things that would be important in terms of the therapeutic journey, there's another component to that in terms of one's ability to, you know, what I say, is sort of look in the mirror or when your head hits the pillow at night, how honest are you with yourself, first and foremost, it, to then be able to, in a relationship, right, share that, in this case, a therapeutic relationship, but nevertheless, to share with someone else, um, I think, what would be critical information, again, and, and a therapist's ability to really help provide some guidance, you know, feedback to assist people with whatever their presenting concerns are. No, nah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, thank you uh, for those thoughts. But we're going to go to a short break and we get, come back. We're going to get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion. Are you honest with your therapist? I will tell you that typically there's a few subjects that I touch, uh, whereas I, I have callers throughout the, the, the show where typically when I do mental health, child sexual abuse or domestic violence, mm-hmm. we get very few callers. So I'm actually saying that to challenge those who's list, who are li- out there listening to call in and tell us whether it's your therapy stories or why you're afraid to get therapy. And, and just, again, just listening to both of our professionals talk about, uh, you know, what being honest within your therapy, what it can do for you, how it can add to it, or don't let that stop you, if you will. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group, focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways. Every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. If you love black culture and black class, kings and queens, the Lisa Designs is presenting the fashion show of the year. The evening will be one to remember, featuring Atlanta's finest dancers, dramas, singers, poets, and last but not least, some of Atlanta's finest designers, including Delisa Designs. Dinner, drinks, and after party will all take place at the beautiful Dawn Event Hall, located at 3201 Atlanta Industrial Parkway, Northwest Atlanta, on Sunday, July 11th at 4 p.m. Tickets and vendor booths are available on eventbrite.com. Search for The Sunrise Fashion Show. Or contact Delisa at 404-453-5865. Again, that's 404-453-5865. I promise you, you don't want to miss this show. 
today I wanted to talk about something that's a little bit difficult to bring up, the idea of being really honest with your therapist. This may seem like kind of a funny thing for me to be sharing with you today, but it's actually very common for people coming in, especially those that are dealing with really difficult issues in their life, things where they experience a lot of shame, or maybe it's just one of your places of getting stuck is having a hard time with being really genuinely open about your feelings. It is of critical importance for both you and for your therapist to feel like you can be completely open and honest about anything that's going on in your life with the therapist that you're trusting to help you. Being able to share openly, very deeply, even some of the things that maybe you've experienced shame about before, parts of your life where maybe you don't normally talk about things and subjects that maybe you're not comfortable talking about with other people, but allowing your therapist into these spaces and to be getting a very clear, very open view of you is so important for you to feel not only like you're being understood and that you're getting the support that you need, but for your therapist to be able to have a clear picture of what's going on. There's a saying that's been helpful for me to, before to kind of keep in mind is that if you give somebody half of the problem, you can only get half of the solution. So Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, are you honest with your therapist? Our special guest, Dr. Merriam, as well as Coach DeBicos, uh, thank both of you for being on. You just heard a cut talking in particular and directly to this morning's discussion question. I don't know if anything stood out to you, um, Dr. Merriam, if you will, but we'll start with you, Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts in in reference to that cut? And, again, just the importance of the honesty, and I like the thing they said at the end. Um, if you, you know, if you something about you get half the solution in, in a sense, and I'm, I'm pretty sure or just to make an assumption that someone, I've, again, let me admit I've only been through therapy a couple of times, myself, a couple of sessions myself. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm building up to it, so this is as much as for me um, as it is for anybody out there listening. Um, but, again, just highlighting just the idea of delaying or not really getting what I could get out of it due to uh, that leeriness to uh, be honest, if you will, but any thoughts to, in reference to that cut, Queen? Yeah, I, mean, I think that the last part for me was uh, critically important as well as, you know, and this is, you know, two parts. It's both thinking about the client and therapy, but I think also from the perspective of the therapist wanting to ensure that I am cultivating or creating an environment where clients can feel comfortable and respecting and recognizing that that may take time, particularly for those folks that are newer to therapy. It can be, you know, awkward to sort of sit with someone um, to know and really desire to want to get help, but at the same time, this is someone that you don't know. Um, and for, for individuals that are just starting therapy for the first time, it can, you know, there's sometimes some uncertainty with regard to, you know, what do I share? So I appreciate it. Um, in, in the cut that was played, just of the idea of maybe the client doing some self-reflection and really thinking about what are the areas where maybe I felt some shame, some embarrassment, things that I tend not to talk about, and to see therapy as an opportunity um, to challenge oneself, to really have an opportunity to talk about some of those things. I, I'm also a, um, a professor and a clinical researcher, and so some of the research certainly suggests that for clients, their experience of, you know, I'll put um, not being truthful instead of saying lie, but not being truthful in therapy is not being truthful by omission. So, in other words, not talking about or not bringing up 
right, topics that they may feel some shame or embarrassment. And that's connected to, whether that's connected to behaviors like substance use or even thinking about just how much emotional distress that they're in, as well as experiences, you know, in their lives that they may feel some shame or embarrassment about. So it's what I like to call a co-constructed reality where, you know, clients, wanting clients to see this as an opportunity, but also for therapists um, to understand the client experience and really work to build the relationship. I certainly have worked with folks where um, it's taken some time to build a relationship. I, I you know, we've, we're going along in therapy and still much later on, they may bring up something that I knew nothing about. And this could be, you know, six months, you know, a year later. So just that recognition um, that people do need to feel comfortable, but ideally for me, the ability of a client to share um, and to be open and to be comfortable is going to give me the best possible context to really, as I said, you know, help someone with what it is they may be struggling with. Nah, it makes sense. And, you know, we love, and if I could just even reiterate what you just said for anybody out there listening or considering or haven't been um, to therapy, that yes, the best opportunity to get help is to share that thing you've been holding or haven't been sharing or only, or only, share it with your closest friends and things of that nature. Um, to be close, to be close, if you will, um, your thoughts on the cut or anything that Dr. Barry had to say in reference to what you've seen um, from, from your various clients and kind of tackling or overcoming um, the honesty portion, which I can imagine. And, and like I said, even for myself, the two times I did it, um, uh, great therapist, um, getting comfortable, again, just a couple of sessions, as much as I've advocated, uh, you know, just kind of wanted to live it out or get it for myself. And, and in doing so, it's still a process for me as a client, just filling out what do I say. But what have you seen, um, Coach D'Amigos? Uh, yeah, so it the one component that I think that gets overlooked is that that actually has to be compatibility um, and chemistry between, you know, the client and the therapist. Uh, to kind of create that uh, synchronization of comfort um, for that client to have that honest line of communication ongoing with that therapist. They have to feel like this is someone who not only can help me, but this is someone I like, you know. And so, um, you know, not everybody's going to be a match, you know. Um, and I think that's also a hard thing for a lot of therapists to, to uh, professionals to grasp. It's not a bad reflection on you. It's just that's what it is, some things that are beyond our scope. Um, and, two, you know, the honest component is so interesting because when you're, dive, when you're deep diving deeply into these uh, clients' lives, it's really hard to – it's not you know, so much that they lie to you or that they're dishonest. It's just, if, if anything, they may withhold information, maybe. But you're diving so deep, you're digging into the subconscious, and you're going into the childhood trauma, you're going into relationship experience, et cetera, et cetera. It's so, you're covering so much so quickly, and, you're, and if you're a really good therapist, you're getting to the truth so fast. It's really hard to withhold anything. Um, um, so it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's not, when we, when we talk about this honest factor, um, it's not necessarily that a client will lie to you, but it's when you all have your ongoing sessions. There's certain information because you may have gave them a skill or you're talking about their triggers or whatever of something to work on, and they know that they're supposed to be operating within that uh, that new learned behavior or whatever lesson that that is that you all uncovered. And boom, you know they uh, 
they definitely, uh, you know, uh, don't want to do it because they don't want to come back and tell you the failed story. Okay, I see what you're saying, that um, in the event that you, let me see if I'm sure I'm understanding you, in the event that you recommend something to the client, then then that's what you're saying that to a degree, that's when you might see um, them, in a sense, not wanting to say, say, hey, I didn't do that work yet, again, because uh, you basically broke down and have agreed, hey, here's some things you or some steps you might could take to, ha- to, in a sense, improve in this. And so sometimes they're not always wanting to, in a sense, relay that. Is that what I'm understanding with the last point that you made? Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, Dr. Barium, any anything similar in that reference as far as, yeah, maybe you're giving some different tools and they're not um, really using the tools or let's even take it a little step further that whatever their hesitancy is to use the tool that you suggested, sometimes maybe it's the key, and I've seen this with a friend, and sometimes it's the key component to why they're having the delay. So they're continuing to come to therapy, but their delay is the lack or use of uh, of that tool, and for whatever reason they won't use it, and it kind of delays, heavily delays, in a sense, their progress in, in some sense, if, if you will. At least, again, at least I've seen that in, in one of my friends that is, that's been through therapy. Um, your thoughts on that, Dr. Mary? Yeah, I mean, I think the other factor, you know, is as you're building the relationship, um, you know, from the client's perspective, and, you know, it, there is, I think, sometimes, I've heard from clients also, as I said, um, read interviews of clients just reflecting on their experiences of therapy, and there's sort of this idea sometimes about not, as the relationship builds, not wanting to disappoint, so to speak, that factors in, disappoint the therapist, right? So you've been doing this work, they've been teaching you the skills, um, you know, perhaps there's some homework, I'll put that in air quotes, that's been given for you to try to apply some of the new, you know, whether it's sort of thoughts, um, skills that you're acquiring. And so coming back in, you know, to check in, there may be clients that, that either over-report, right, what it is that they've been doing or under-report um, any hesitancy that they may have. Because, again, there, there is still a factor, you know, sort of playing out. So I, I agree with the previous point that it becomes really important um, to kind of look at the relationship between the therapist and client um, for the therapist sometimes, again, to sort of set the stage with regard to saying, you know, um, and encouraging clients to recognize, like, to the degree, right, that you feel comfortable, if, you know, even if you didn't, right, uh, sort of do the task or engage in the skill in that way, I want to hear about that, right, because I'm here to support you, really laying the groundwork so that clients, again, can come in and say, okay, I tried, um, or maybe I, I'm not, you know, what you suggested doesn't really fit with who I am, um, versus, you know, sort of saying, here you go, here's something that you can try, and then having a client come in and say, you know, I, I, I tried it to avoid, again, um, what they might perceive would be disappointment from the therapist. So I try to work with clients in, in a way to sort of let them know this is about you. And, again, the degree that we can, um, you know, talk to one another and be open about what's working, what's not working, um, even if you disagree, right, with something that I said, that really fosters a relationship and an environment for clients where there is some chemistry where, where we can, you know, continue to to do the work. Because otherwise, you know, that idea of hesitance, I find, um, does factor in where clients are reporting what they think you, you know, to some degree. I've heard clients say they sort of report what they think that their therapist might want to hear, and that really takes away from the mm-hmm. opportunity. Now, that's key and critical, again, just having – walked a few friends and always been a long time advocate of people getting therapy and, and talking to some you know, other friends who've been in therapy. But I just remember again, this key friend, again, 
regularly getting therapy for some, some some mental health issues, if you will. And that's what I would, what you kind of just mentioned, I would say to her, I would say, I said, at least do it and and then have that dialogue with your uh, therapist. Because in the event that, it, like, like you just mentioned, it doesn't work or this doesn't work for me, I said, it's hard to be able to have that dialogue or even know if it works if you've already assumed that, you know, it might be write, a writing task, write daily or something like that, and they may do it a couple of days, but then the next couple of weeks before the, you know, next section, they've only done it a couple of times. And, and, and you even mentioned a word that I thought I thought about when you said over-reporting. Like, when you said that, Dr. Mary, my thoughts to myself, I'm like, yep, just trying to meet just a, that human nature of trying to please who you're dealing with to a degree without yeah. – Consciously being aware of it, you're you're starting to be slightly dishonest, even in the work mm-hmm. that you've done. Again, not wanting to disappoint, and I just love how you're, in a sense, you know, kind of walking and talking through that. Again, I'm thinking for people out there listening, these are just small details that you know, for someone maybe who hasn't taken that step, these are small things they, in a sense, could have the advantage by hearing as we speak about it. Hey, these are things to avoid because when you've never had therapy. Well, again, I've only had it a couple times. You don't know what to expect. Uh, you know, to to my, you know, I did have the advantage of having worked with a cadre of um, different therapists because um, we do the community checkup once a month where we bring on doctor level professionals. So I feel like I had a little advantage just from hearing them talk about, in a sense, uh, what to expect. But um, um, Coach D'Amico, as you talked about a, a key component that compatibility between, the, you know, the therapists. You know, and the client again. I think I do agree with you. Something that gets overlooked. We're going to get real heavy into that um, after the next break. Um, but just highlighting, you know, that compatibility. If if both of you could just kind of speak um, for someone who's considering it for the first time or a little afraid, if you will. And again, I'm pretty sure the fear is is related to that vulnerable, having to be vulnerable. Something that people are not used to. Just any suggestions. Um, just getting over just that part of it, the fear, um, if you will, and coach to because you are the fear coach. So just any thoughts mm-hmm. on, as you always are encouraging people to consider and get therapy and particularly black men who we always talk about are in a sense, the last to want to get it, if you will. Um, how have you been successful in encouraging more men to just start the therapy process? Oh, you want me to answer now or going to the break? No, 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 we got time. Yeah, I was just letting you, you know, I was just saying we'll get heavy yeah. into the compatibility after the fact. But, yeah, how are you, um, how are you convincing these black men to, to finally get there? Because I've, I've seen you be a long-time advocate for this. Yeah, so thankfully, uh, uh, as I said at the beginning of the call, um, being an ambassador for therapy for blackmen.org, thanks to Dr. Vladimir, who created this uh, great uh, resource for black men and a huge advocate for it. Um, yeah, it's, I've just started, you know, I, I decided to just be that voice online that I just decided to carry how I am offline online. You know, a lot of black men I noticed, um, in my network that I built, uh, you know, they respect me in a lot of ways, you know, um, they, they look, look up to me in a lot of ways. Um, and they look to me in a lot of ways. And so I, I, in the social media age where, you know, that image of the black man is greatly uh, most of it's all as black. 
Hey, I think we may have a bad connection, um, Coach D'Amico. So I'm going to have you call back in and just kind of move the question over to Dr. Okay. Marion. And you call back in. You know, right. You're working in and out. So just give a call right back in if you don't mind. Um, Dr. Marion, uh, how are you yeah. convincing people who are having that fear uh, in a sense? Are you in that, you know, in a situation to start therapy? And I think we're getting, making some leeway in mm-hmm. the community because 20 years ago, hardly yeah. anybody would or you were crazy to even yeah. go to get a right. therapist. So I think we've getting, gotten over those things. But even from the individual mm-hmm. standpoint, without that, people are still fearful. So how are you, what are you saying to encourage people to start the process? I mean, I start with conversation and, you know, in the, and well, I would say on the, on the first phone call when, you know, if a client calls me and then I call back in an effort to see, I sort of present myself as how might I be able to assist you and to be helpful. So wanting them to understand that this is a collaborative relationship, because I do think so many folks, have ideas um, and just associations or projections, you know, about what therapy is, whether it's something, you know, they heard from someone or they're just curious or even something they've seen, you know, depicted on a movie, right, or on a TV show. Um, So I try to ask questions, right, about what their experiences have been, if they've gone to therapy before, what are their ideas about therapy, what are the folks that are in their support system's ideas, because sometimes I'll get clients who will say things like, no one knows that I'm here, right? I can't tell my family. Or um, mm-hmm. even in some cases, you know, relative to religion or spirituality, it's, you know, well, my, you know, religious um, affiliation, folks don't really believe in the idea of therapy. That's important for me to know um, because it's going to inform, right, at least how they're mm-hmm. coming into the space. So I like to just have conversations in those first sessions, well, session for sure, but sessions. And now, certainly, depending on where I'm working, and I've worked both in hospitals and community mental health, but more so in private practice, so I do have a little bit of a luxury of sort of slowing the pace down for folks and trying to get a sense of where they are, talking to them a little bit about who I am and how I practice. Um, and then, as I said, you know, asking some uh, questions about their direct experiences. For some individuals, maybe they tried therapy and had bad experiences, and I want to acknowledge those. Um, answer any questions, um, you know, that they may have because it will really inform them um, about things they need to pay attention to in themselves. I also say explicitly to people, you know, towards the point about this being a relationship that needs to be a match is that, you know, give it four to six sessions is honestly what I say, unless you have any red flags. Like if you go to meet with someone and immediately, you know, there feels like there's something off or you don't feel like you can kind of sit. uh, I always say to people, there's a difference between this being new and different and you feeling like this immediately, right, is not a good fit for you. And I'm not going to be offended by that because I agree. Um, the way that I practice, my personality, and I'm, I'm explicit with, you know, my clients, you know, and, and sort of ask them, you know, are you a client that might need, you know, more feedback? Because I'm listening in the beginning and I want you to know it's not as if I'm not going to engage you, but I'm trying to take in a lot of information. So I both try to prep people and provide some information about what to expect. Uh, but also let them know, I will check back in with you in, say, four sessions and ask you, how is this going for you? And I encourage more therapists to do that. Um, I would agree yeah, makes, with what was said yeah, earlier. earlier. Yeah. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. We're actually up against the break. And um, okay. it's a perfect, seg- yeah, no, perfect segue. Again, thanks, Coach Mikos. We got him back on in reference to just the idea of having that good fit. And sometimes you can have a bad therapist. So during this cut, we're mm-hmm. going to hear about what that looks like. Again, just dialoguing through, um, are you honest with your therapist? And that can play a role in it. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. 
But if you missed the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Hey everybody, today we're going to talk about five warning signs that you're seeing a bad therapist. Let's just jump right into it. I heard from a lot of you that you are seeing someone who hasn't been working for you or something bad has happened. And so I think it's important for us to talk about how do we know when we're seeing a bad therapist. And the first is that we feel like we have to prove something. Like they don't really believe you when you say you're having a hard time or you're struggling with X, Y, or Z. And so we therefore try to make it worse because we feel like we need to prove how sick we are. Second, and something that would drive me crazy, is that they don't remember anything. They never remember what we talked about last. They don't remember what your sister's name was or what you did or what the whole reason that you're here and that one thing that you talked about a few weeks ago. They just don't remember anything and it makes you feel like they're not even listening. The third is one that I actually talked about in a previous video, Ethics and Therapy, but that is when your therapist allows you to text, call, or email them anytime and they get right back to you. And the reason this isn't good is because it actually creates a really unhealthy relationship and makes you completely dependent upon your therapist versus the healthy thing, which is I'm going to teach you some tips and tricks and then you go out in the world and you practice, come back and let me know how it goes. And obviously, there is the caveat that if we are suicidal, there may be a safety plan in place where we call or text our therapist when we're feeling like we're a danger to ourselves, and then they may meet us at the hospital or something like that. The fourth sign, and one that I don't think people talk about enough, is if you just chat like friends and you never work on anything. You don't actually get anything done. There's no treatment plan. There's no goals. We're not really working towards anything. We're just kind of paying to hang out. And in truth, that's not therapy at all. Now, obviously, if we've been working with our therapist for a long time and now we're doing well and we find ourselves having less and less to talk about, congratulations! That means that you've met all your goals and it's time to stop therapy for a while. But if we've never worked through anything or met any of our goals and we're just chatting like friends, then I think it's time to find somebody else. Fifth and final warning sign that you have a bad therapist is that they talk about themselves a lot. This is your time. I know that it feels weird at first because we're used to conversations being two-way, but in therapy, it's all about the client. If I'm wanting to talk about myself, what that really means is, as a therapist, I need to get in therapy. Because if I can't give you your whole hour and focus on you and your progress, then I'm not being a therapist at all. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, are you honest with your therapist? Our special guest are Dr. Merriam, as well as Coach D'Amico's, both of our special guests. If you're on the phone line, you do have to press 1. If you want to get in and have a question for our professionals or or just want to give your experience, if you're out there listening, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, 646 Seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, uh, glad to have you, um, Dr. Merriam and Coach Demikos. Again, you kind of mentioned it um, a little earlier, Coach, because the idea of you know the right fit, and we just heard a cut just breaking down in a sense what people should in a sense use as a warning sign or whether they're having a good session or a good uh, I'm sorry a good experience. And Dr. Merriam pointed out that she recommends 
you know, maybe up to four sessions to really figure it out because, um, uh, and that makes sense to me. Um, but again, you said this is not spoken about enough, and I definitely have heard of people who who have mentioned having the bad experience, and for them, that's their decision to, in a sense, never return to therapy, although they probably still really need it. Um, so any thoughts on that, King, if you will? Yeah, I mean, you you hear too often. It's, it's very similar to those who try uh, who try MLMs, and then they, they lose all that money and say, well, maybe being a business owner isn't for me. You know, uh, it's it's one of those things where the onus is definitely on the, the practitioners, the clinicians, the coaches to definitely uh, not forget that this is a customer service business. Um, we have to focus on the customer's satisfaction and customer production at the same time. We don't want them in there wasting money. We don't want them in there uh, only feeling like, especially with couples, feeling like we're only just focusing on one particular person in the relationship and the other person not getting full usefulness out of it as well. So it definitely takes, uh, you know, continuous cultivation of the practice overall. So, um, you know, I just do, uh, the thing that I try to do with black black men is, I try to always tell them the real, um, tell them the real from a black man's perspective, not from a sugar-coated perspective of of uh, something that sounds good and feels good or super overly positive and nothing that's going to uh, seem like I'm trying to garner attention from women. Um, but I tell them the real, and a lot of black men gravitate to that. So what they do, they usually ended up, end up bot- inboxing me, DMing me, setting up sessions, et cetera, um, and, and just following me um, because they uh, are grabbing. Black men really want the help, um, and black men are coming. I'm, I'm noticing that the black male clients that I get actually pay more than my uh, women clients. Women just buy more at a frequent rate but at a lesser tier, so they buy the smaller items, the seminars, the books, et cetera. But the black men who come along, they, they want to pay for the full, full premier package. Because um, and I say that because there's a stigma within the practice itself that where a lot of therapists, a lot of clinicians, a lot of coaches don't cater to or make their content tailored towards men, especially black men, because they feel like well they're not the consumers because they don't show up in the consumer reports. Well, if you do enough business within the sector, you start to find out oh men are there. It's just that mm-hmm. you're not they're not going to be the ones tuning in into all the free knickknack stuff. They're, because when they when a man comes to you, they're really needing help and ready to pay whatever uh, uh, cost there is. And just one more thing, I even had a client. This is how much compatibility matters the most, and you have to stick to your guns as, as to who you are as the type of clinician, coach, um, um, uh, counselor. I had a client say he's 50 years old. He came to me. He did a, a session with Kevin, Kevin Samuels, and then he did a session with me. And he ended up choosing to go with me for, you know, for his health um, over Kevin Samuels. And that's not speaking. I I love Kevin Samuels. I love his work. Um, it's not to speak one over the other, but it speaks to how that's how much compatibility matters um, in, in, in being able to practice um, and being able to help people um, when it comes to uh, the clients out there, especially men. So it's, it has to match. Kevin Sanders doesn't stand, isn't saying that either one of us couldn't have helped him. It's just that what my, I'm a little bit more laid back. 
a little bit more st- also straight to the point. Just I'm just not as abrasive um, um, verbally as Kevin is, and that's cool. We just have different styles, and so um, the, you know that. But that speaks to compatibility because how do you no, get Kevin and himself? No, it makes you know, sense. He was I heard, there, I, yeah, no, that makes sense. I heard Dr. Merriman, you kind of made a, a comment before we go to the caller. Um, go ahead and jump in, Queen, and then mm-hmm. we're gonna get to the caller after your thoughts. Yeah, no, I would. I, I mean, I think I agree wholeheartedly with what was said, especially the piece around um, just. I like to tell people that we've got to reframe the narrative um, because I agree. Mm-hmm. While there's maybe some stigma, I, I always had a waiting list, and so I would, you know, say to folks that people, uh, particularly you know, folks of color, black people, are are interested and invested. What they want is to work with someone that they do feel connected with, that they do feel they can bring them full self, their full selves into the room with, and that. If anything, as we look at the profession, um, that w- that's where we need to sort of challenge ourselves because I didn't, you know, and again, having worked in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and now, you know, in the Georgia area, um, never had an issue. Black men, black women, um, in terms of individuals that were wanting therapy um, versus, again, their, either their experiences with other individuals or finding that, you know, there was something missing from you know, from the relationship. So I I was just sort of saying, mm-hmm, in terms of, like, if you're working no, in the right. sector and connected mm-hmm. to people, you know, people will find you um, and seek you out, and, and absolutely they are committed and and desiring the assistance. No, it makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I definitely consistently hear that with the therapists that um, we have with the community checkup because it's basically a bridge to therapy, and we get people, and the reality is a couple of our therapists the waiting list is so long. I'm always concerned, like, mm-hmm. man, where you to get help? And um, but I think there's the real in reality when it comes to African Americans, uh, there's no shortage because what I understand, y'all are about four percent of the um, industry, if you will, specifically on the you know the psychology mm-hmm. side, and the um, doctorate level, you know, about four percent. So we definitely uh, can imagine because a lot of our community would like to have therapy with someone who looks like them. Let's go to the, some of the, mm-hmm. the call for the caller that just got in. You do have to press one to let us know you want to speak. Let's go to four seven eight last three three zero three. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Peace, brother. How you feeling? It's uh, Sincere out of Atlanta. Hey, what's up, King? Let me highlight. This is the brother that helped put together the community checkup. So thank you, King, for being part of this morning's discussion. What you got for us, King? Hey, I believe it's a great topic that you guys are covering. And uh, uh, shout out to everybody that's on the call. Great information. And um, uh, I'd just like to say to the topic, one of the things uh, that I cover with my clients as a holistic relationship coach is um, truth is paramount in the healing process. So so just make sure that you're able to open up. I'm going to create an environment for that, but I want to create a consciousness and an awareness around the fact that once you expose your truth, pathway to freedom uh, from a holistic standpoint. So, so it is absolutely vital because we, we, we pick and choose oftentimes what we want to give, and that's in the relationship building process, absolutely. But it's just having that goal of being able to open up, be truthful, be honest, so that healing can take, take shape and take place. 
No, that's perfect, man. Great added three cents and, and really, really do appreciate you for those thoughts. Um, sincere. Uh, matter of fact, um, I'm going to let you go, King, but appreciate you for getting in this morning. Um, part of what he said kind of reminded me of just something I, as I was promoting this morning's discussion, the idea of even when he, again, Sincere is an amazing ho- um, relationship coach here in the Atlanta area, um, but him just mentioning the idea of, of truth and I've heard of couples, in a sense, going to get counseling, and one of the one of them saying, "Hey, my spouse is not being honest in the in the session. So how are we going to save this? Or how are we going to recover? Because my spouse will not be honest." Um, have y'all have you ran into that, Doctor uh, Marion? We got about a minute before we go to our break, um, but if you just kind of start your thoughts, and I'll cut in, and we'll get back to it um, coming out of the break. Mm-hmm. But just yeah, quick thoughts on this: the other spouses being dishonest in the sessions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, I certainly enjoy doing couple work, but at the same time, you know, it can be complex. Um, and it, it is, you know, sort of that conversation of thinking about two different people's, you know, uh, perceptions of maybe a situation versus, you know, more of an issue where in working with, you know, a couple of therapists that the, the full kind of context or um, background of a situation uh, may not be shared. And I think, you know, for me, there's different ways that couples therapists handle that. In some cases, um, I might recommend openly, um, you know, sort of having a session with each person to kind of hear that perspective, but only with mm. the agreement, right, that we come back together um, and that we are willing to share what happened in, you know, in, 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 in both of the individual sessions. So not that I'm there to keep secrets alongside, you know, if that's an issue, so to speak. Um, but sometimes it can be helpful to give just a little bit of breathing room so that a person can share their entire experience, right, with you without having to, to navigate, at least in, in a particular moment, um, the, the space with, with both parties being present. Again, that's not longstanding, but it may be something that we do intentionally depending on what the situation is and so that I can kind of get a sense um, of what's going on. But also the goal in the work is to come back together and to have, you know, both of those truths, so to speak, be heard. Sense. Um, to be able to create the space for, you know, for the um, the truth to emerge, so to speak, so that we can work towards some healing. Now, it makes sense. Uh, for the caller that just came off of one, you have to stay on the one to get back in. For the callers out there listening, you mm-hmm. do have to press one to let us know you want to speak. We are up against the break. Um, there is a cut that's going to take us kind of in a, a different direction, although I do want to kind of flesh out some of this couple stuff because there's so many people, in a sense, that before they got a divorce, they had counseling, and so and the counseling, in a sense, couldn't save them. So I kind of want to dialogue about that. And, um, Dr. Miriam, I know you only have a little for the first hour, and so I don't even know if we can really do um, that and what you're about to hear in this cut, but we'll try to pull it off. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, 
Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Today, we're going to clean up the infection. We're going to tell the truth. Mr. Monzel, in your lie detector test, you were asked, did you have any sexual contact with any of your three daughters? You said no, and the lie detector said there was no deception. Yes, thank God. How does that feel for you? And that your daughters know it. Well, I felt they always did know it. You felt they always did know it? Mm-hmm. And didn't speak it because? They didn't know no better. They wasn't told no different. Miss Yvonne took a lie detector test and said, did you make up or exaggerate any stories with the intention to harm Monzel? She responded no, and the answer was deceptive. Then he asked you, did you say something to the effect of, I'm going to make sure you're never happy again? She responded, no, and the answer was deceptive. So Miss Yvonne has acknowledged that her story about you touching your children in a sexual way was not true. So, Miss Yvonne, is there anything that you wanted to say to Mr. Monzel? Why didn't you fight for him harder if you knew you Excuse didn't me. do it? And what is it that he could have said hmm. that would have made you not believe the lie you were telling? Miss Yvonne, you told the lie. It was a lie, and you told it. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, are you honest with your therapist? First, our guest, Dr. Miriam, as well as Coach D'Amico's riding with me throughout as we hear a cut from Ayana's Van Zant's uh, Fix My Life um, to give a little context. I was actually looking for another cut and found that one. I was like, wow, I'm going to share it, which always happens anytime we're doing a show. Uh, when I'm trying to find cuts for the show, I always find stuff that just pops up uh, that are relevant to the show. And that one was, was unique because a topic that quite often I'm pretty sure for you, Dr. Miriam, comes up uh, for people that have childhood trauma in a sense, related to, uh, you know, sexual violence and things of this nature, but it was unique because it was a false accusation. And the thing that stood out the most for me was, unfortunately, the, the man's ex-wife, when first kind of exposed, after taking a lot of detector tests, her first initial response was, why did you fight for them harder still in a denial state and kind of just wanting to, you know, I think that's fair enough in reference to what we were just talking about going into the break was how, Maybe someone can be in denial and how it really harms relationships, but obviously this is a deeper discussion, and quite often I'm pretty sure it's, it's hard to delve into and help people with their therapy. So really just kind of jump in where you fit in, Dr. Merriam, and obviously um, Coach me because I want to get your thoughts as well. For the callers, you do have to press 1 if you want to speak. Thank you all for listening. Go ahead, Dr. Merriam. 
Yeah, no, I, I think as you said, this you know really uh, deep issue. As I was listening to it, I, I have, had not seen that episode um, of Ayala. Certainly have seen others. I mean, the things that immediately you know came to mind for me, it sort of reminded me of the comment that I made earlier about the beginning of the the show, just about that idea of are people really honest with themselves, or even in a position, right, to sort of sit with the notion of maybe they're not being dishonest. So this. Um, as you said, goes in a little bit of a different um, direction, and certainly for um, the woman who was speaking um, in, in that case and, and reacting in that particular way, a lot of the first thing that came to mind for me is, yes, definitely needing some of her own individual space um, to do some some work there because the immediate defense, right, that came up was sort of vile and, and really um, detraction from, right, the issue at hand that Ayana was trying to point out, which was the, the, the dishonesty that was happening. So those are definitely complex, you know, sort of longer-term um, cases when I think about even, you know, clients that are families that I've worked with where there are kind of deeper um, issues and in some cases for couples, right, deeper individual issues that also need to be addressed if there is, you know, an attempt or any effort towards working at something um, within the relationship. Those are just my initial thoughts in hearing that. No, absolutely. Um, Coach D'Amico's, if you will, again, talking about um, the couples, you even mentioned the idea of, um, in a sense, couples having an issue where um, it seems like the therapist may be listening to one or more than the other. I've definitely heard of couples who went to counseling more than once, and part of that reasoning, at least uh, hearing one side of the story, was because they didn't like that the therapist was calling out in a sense, calling them out. And so now, and, and I'll say in a lot of cases, uh, if the woman feels like the therapist is siding with the man, she wants another therapist. Again, that's just the way I've heard of it in my own personal life. And, and, and I'm not saying that's the only way that it happens, but that's how I've heard it relative to my own life. And so, again, you have been in this space for black men. Um, you know, how does – uh, what I'm saying, have you experienced that or seen that where the, the therapist could be a perfect therapist or a good therapist, but just that unwillingness to be honest with themselves keeps or hinders or stops the therapy? Yeah, so what's interesting about that, so for, for one, I haven't uh, done um, couples in the same session yet. Um, I either get uh, one of the spouses reaching out to me about one of the spouses <laughs> Having this session, so either the, the wife or the husband, uh, saying, okay. you know, recommended each other. So, um, but what I will say is that what what's interesting is these dynamics where these couples get in these sessions is that you know there's there's always a game of risk being played, um, uh, or risk calculation being played um, in these in these sessions that they're having with these these clinicians because you have a partner who's afraid to, you know, divulge things about the spouse in front of the spouse and, uh, you know, that, you know, that could lead to consequences outside of the session. And especially when they feel like the issue isn't getting resolved or worked on within the session um, on com- compounded on that person not feeling like their voice is being um, equally heard or concerned about. So those are the dynamic factors that, you know, hinders the the productivity of uh, couples feel like they're making with uh, clinicians or coaches um, outside the sessions. Um, I will also say that um, each uh, within the relationships, 
each of them have to recognize that though they are a couple in a journey in life together, they're still operating it, um, a, a joint goal as still two individuals. So there's two different types of uh, traumas and and uh, life goals and aspirations and identities and, 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 and interests, et cetera, um, that the two worlds have to collide in and, and you know, uh, to make things work. So um, that's one thing that couples have to also recognize. They, you are still each other's, you are still yourself, even though you're journeying, you know, this, this, this life together. You're still yourself, so you have to recognize and respect that and honor what else, what comes out the wash in your spouse dealing with a clinician. You know, it's not a, it's not a backlash or a hindrance on how you are as a partner, but more so how they're experiencing um, um, on top of their previous experiences. So that that's one thing I would definitely give advice to, to a lot of couples out there is don't take what comes out the wash so personal or as a personal reflection of how you are. Um, in the relationship and as a person, because now, you know, we're all our own. Now that's excellent advice, man. Again, I just love and Dev, one of our pillars for the Mental Dialogue Community Club for um, for those who are members and those out there listening that want to become members. Go to mentaldialogue.com. Unshameless plug there, um, but if you will, one of our pillars is encouraging strong Black families, and one thing as a part of that is encouraging counseling, not in a sense just quite often spiritual counseling that people will receive prior to marriage, but we actually recommend that you consider sitting down with a professional counselor prior to your marriage. Uh, we got a couple of minutes with you, Dr. Merriam, so any thoughts on that advice uh, that we're giving to our community club members who'd love to hear your thoughts on it as a professional? I think it would actually, in a sense, could be more vital to the relationship than and not to, 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 you know, go against spiritual training, but add this on mm-hmm. as a possible step yeah. prior to the marriage. Um, any thoughts on that, um, Queen? We've got a couple of minutes. Um, you know, in that couple yeah. of minutes, and share your information on how people can stay in contact with you, because you have been wonderful, um, by the way. So go ahead, Queen. Thank you, for, thank you for being with us. No. Um, yeah, absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, one of the reasons, although I, you know, had interest in working with, uh, as I said, you know, kids, um, adolescents, and families, um, just based on my training and growing, you know, uh, expertise in the field, you know, over the, the past 20 years, um, I started working with, you know, couples long before I myself, you know, was, was married to my life partner, but I, I'll sort of share this, this piece I'm comfortable with in terms of self-disclosure. Um, from the perspective of a therapist working with couples professionally and as a person, you know, that identifies, you know, spiritually as well, I agree. I often hear clients talk about the fact that they, you know, may engage in, you know, premarital counseling through their religious or spiritual community, um, but also wanting um, increasingly someone that can offer a different perspective um, for them in terms of navigating what are some conversations we need to have or should be thinking about prior to marriage in addition to just being excited, right? And I often, you know, um, in premarital counseling, one of the reasons why I decided to focus on that explicitly was based on that feedback. And I would say later in life, even based on, you know, my experience um, trying to get premarital counseling. And for some folks, um, when we, and we saw several people <laughs> um, 
ourselves mm-hmm. in an attempt to get premarital counseling and found that some clinicians were like, well, you all don't have a problem, so come back when you do. And that was still not my mindset. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. ways in which to approach proactively encouraging couples, you know, to ask them questions, to prompt them to have discussions. As I said, that sometimes there's the love and the passion and the desire and the goal, but um, to the point that was made earlier, it can be really helpful to have someone who's worked with couples that sometimes, you know, are in distress, but sort of have a different purview to really sit down and ask you, you know, have you thought about kind of your individual histories and what that means as you attempt to come together as two individuals? How do you plan, right, to main, uh, maintain a sense? of self and a, a sense of individuality while working towards having a common goal, um, you know, within the relationship. How do you continue to, right, grow individually mm-hmm. and collectively? Those kinds of conversations can be really important. If folks are thinking about starting families or bringing together families, how have you thought about, right, your own histories and what they mean in terms of caretaking and parenting, et cetera, so that, no. you know, these are conversations you can start and that will likely evolve. Um, no, I over time. You. So I, I, yeah. I love the advice and I agree. No, thank you. No, I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, but with that said, we are at the top of the hour. Yeah. Um, uh, um, you can stay on with us. I told you, I'll let you stay on. <laughs> and I love what you're doing. And we got, um, we have, we have actually another therapist coming on with us. Um, yeah. yeah um, Jaree Cotman, um, licensed certified social worker and, and, and clinical. So she'll be on the next hour. So Glenn, we'd love to keep you on if you want to stay on with us, Dr. Uh, Miriam, uh, but with that said, just in, you know, just in case you do have mm-hmm. to go, go ahead and let people know how they can con- the best way to contact you or follow up with you uh, and get you yeah. know advice or therapy from you. Sure, I would say the best way. I do have a professional Instagram account, and it is at Mindfield. So M I N D F I E L D underscore Dr J. Um, that's probably a good way to get in contact with me. Also on um, Facebook, I'm at Dr. Mariam Jernigan, M-A-R-Y-A-M-J-E-R-N-I-G-A-N. Um, and even just Googling my name, Mariam Jernigan, will bring you to my professional website, which has um, my, my contact information here in Atlanta. But I do appreciate you having me on. I would love to, you know, feel free to be in contact in the future. I love the platform, love what you're doing, love the dialogue. Now, thank you very much. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you trying to figure out your next income stream? Maybe get into cryptocurrency, real estate, or maybe even start your own business. If so, contact the KG Hire Company to receive a professional consultation or strategy session to provide you the advice you need to get a jump start on your new venture. If it's a new business, there's nothing like having a business consultant review your finances, strategy, or marketing. If it's real estate, the KG Hyatt Company specializes in evaluating deals for profitability and securing special financing for creative real estate acquisitions. If it's cryptocurrency, then look no further than the KG Hyatt Company to master the components of blockchain technology and investing into cryptocurrency. Serving Atlanta since 2016, the KG Hire Company is an industry leader in customer experience and getting your money's worth. Contact them at kghire.com or 833-544-9288. Again, that's 833-544-9288.
welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. As you hear a cut from Taylor Pace's morning, one of my favorite cuts from one of our sponsors, Square Business Entertainment, providing a little music to go with our talk show this morning. Um, again, go look up Taylor Pace and Morning on all music stream platforms. Love that cut. Love what they're doing with that real R&B, as I like to say. But this morning's discussion question, are you honest with your therapist? had a wonderful time with Dr. Merriam, still have on Coach D'Amico's. Now I would like to bring on Jari Cotman. Um, this queen is with an extensive background in counseling as well, and so we'll get her introduced and continue um, this morning's discussion as well. Uh, let me bring her live here. Here we go. How you doing, uh, Jari? Thank you, Queen, for being with us. If you will, say hello to the truth seekers out there. Give people a little bit of your background as we continue this morning's discussion. Are you honest with your therapist? Thank you for being with us, Queen. Thank you, Montoya. Thank you so much for inviting me and um, offering the opportunity to share on your show today. I'm glad you created this platform so that uh, we can continue to have these important conversations around mental health and wellness. Um, and all the complexities that come with that in between. So um, should I share about me? <laughs> Absolutely. Please do. Let, tell them, let, you know, let them know you awesome. qualified to do this discussion this morning. we got a lot of callers out there. For the callers, you do have to press one if y'all want to get in on this morning's discussion or ask our professionals a question. But go ahead, Queen. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, I am Jerry Cotman. I am in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker and mental health therapist. Um, I've been uh, doing this work, I guess, uh, professionally uh, for about the last nine years. Um, however, as many of us who enter into this field, we know that we are often called to it way before we ever get the formal education and the training um, to be helpers and healers by nature. It's, it is, in, in my view, a calling. Um, and not something that I take lightly or take for granted. Um, and so I uh, have my master's degree um, in social work from the Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm grateful to have had that foundation um, and really being able to shape my, my work and my practice from um, an African-centered perspective, um, an Afrocentric perspective, focusing on providing culturally relevant care and services to um, black people. And so um, I'm unapologetic about that and really grateful for the way that I am able to show up authentically um, in in my work. And so um, I have a private practice in Baltimore, uh, which is AFIA Counseling and Wellness. Um, AFIA, A-F-Y-A, is a Swahili word that means complete wellness. And that is really the center of my work, really bridging the gap between mind and body and spirit and, um, you know, the convergence of all those places and inviting the space for people to just really recognize um, this is the well-being. So when we talk about being honest with your therapist, that is like the heart and core of my work. And so uh, I really think that that is important that we're able to do that, you know, whether we are consumers or practitioners. And sometimes, if we're honest, practitioners are consumers. Um, (laughs) I work with lots of, you know, other um, clinicians in the field and um, have engaged um, as a consumer myself, you know, at different points in my life. So um, I think it's important to have that, that honesty. 
for sure. No, I love it. Um, so you mm-hmm. are in, yep, yeah, I love the unapologetically black. You are in the right place at mm-hmm. the right time. So definitely appreciate Absolutely. that aspect. Um, Coach D'Amico's himself, again, focuses heavily on black men in that space. Um, again, for the listeners mm-hmm. out there, if you're just enjoying listening, no problem. Uh, we do have people listening via the phone. If you want to get in or have a question, if you feel like you've been on hold, it's because you haven't pressed one. I'd like to make that very clear. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646 787 one six nine one. You will need to press one to let us know that you want to speak for this morning's discussion question. Are you honest with your therapist? Uh, so let's delve in. Uh, there's a tendency uh, for a lot of people. Again, we just kind of opened the discussion this morning about even the idea of just the idea of having to be honest sometimes stops people from even getting therapy, even before we get to the point of whether you're honest within the therapy session or not. And so what a lot of people tend to do who haven't taken that step, but are definitely know that they're experiencing some issues that, you know, in a sense, they may need a little more help with versus their, in a sense, what they've normally done. And there's a tendency in a sense to lean on friends or especially those friends mm-hmm. that, that you can, if you will, trust with some of your more intimate things and some things people have never shared, right? But for those friends that you can trust with, uh, people will kind of decide, okay, I think I may need therapy, but I have this relationship with this friend who I've shared everything with. And a lot of times they don't want to realize, one, it's unfair to the friend. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of, in a lot of cases, the friend is not professionally qualified to give them an answer to this continuous issue. So there's a tendency still, in a sense, to be more honest with the friend sometimes than the um, clinician. Any thoughts on that, uh, if you will, uh, Jari? Again, thank you for being with us, Queen. Sure, absolutely. Um, Yeah, oftentimes um, I'll even have people reach out to me that I maybe have another relationship with, and they say, oh, Jari, you're a therapist. Can you be my therapist? (laughs) My answer is always no. Um, because I would, I'd be biased. You know, if you're in my life and I know you personally, then the the reality is more than likely I like you and, and I value and I appreciate you. And while I do have a value and appreciation for my clients and those that I work with, uh, it's a different perspective. It's a different way to work. And, and so when we enter into the therapeutic um, relationship, because it is a relationship, uh, we are really starting from scratch, um, one of the most beautiful things that I love to witness um, from beginning to end, you know, when we first meet, we're doing um, an intake session. And so I'm, I'm getting to know, you know, your mom and daddy and them and who was there and who wasn't mm-hmm. and, you know, what that experience was like for you. And, and you know, sometimes when, regardless of when we interact or meet people in our lives, we maybe just getting a, a portion of, of that journey, a portion of, the, of their lives. And so entering into that therapeutic arrangement and that, that relationship, you get to start from the beginning and you get a chance to set goals and talk about really what you hope to be different, you know, or change as a result of that work that you're putting in into this relationship. So it's not quite the same as talking with a friend. It can feel friendly. Um, I have quite a few um, long-term clients. Um, I, I've, like I said, I've been in, in private practice for a little over four years now, and I do have some folks that have been 
you know, rolling with me for, you know, maybe a significant chunk of that time. And so we've been able to sort of witness and experience a lot of life changes and life cycles together. But oftentimes it's, it's a lot of dot connecting. I can, I can witness, you know, prayers being answered and affirmations, you know, being fulfilled and intentions, um, you know, coming to life and all of that, you know, in the therapeutic relationship. So while it can be friendly, it's not quite the same as actually, um, you know, talking with a friend. It's not the same as, um, and then, and, and, you know, conversely, you know, a therapist is not a friend. Um, again, it is somebody who uh, you can have that type of rapport with, but it's not quite the same. Um, so no, it makes it's not, a little not, different. No, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Plus, it is, it is mm-hmm. a burden quite often, uh, you know, sometimes for those friends to, in a sense, keep hearing the redundant stories. Because like you just mentioned, in therapy, you're setting mm-hmm. goals, you're about to reach something with your friend. They're typically uh, obviously wanting to get better and give you better advice, if you will, but it's not set out in a, right. in a, in a practical, uh, uh, pragmatic, I guess I should say, uh, manner. Um, Coach D'Amico's, um your thoughts on, you know, in a sense, this idea of people leaning on friends versus coming to someone like yourself and what what's going to be different, you know, versus leaning on that friend constantly. Right. So uh, one of the things is that, you know, you know when, you, when you start practicing this, you learn that, you learn fast that it's hard to be a, what is it, the, the saying, it's hard to be a leader in your own town. Um, especially in your own household, you, you you know that even being a parent, you know, or even a mentor, um, it's uh yeah, it's one of those things where like once you started, you've begun this work, you've already kind of been that person that everyone comes to for advice anyway, you know, before you even started practicing in the field. Um, but as you become a professional, you learn to that that has to be a separation from the personal relationship and the professional one. So. All you, like as um the, as 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 the council just uh just mentioned, yeah you you don't want to you don't have to take on your friends as clients. You know it's funny because I as when I talk to my friends even now about issues that they're going through, they're like, wait hold on before we start this before we start this <laughs> conversation, I want you to know I don't want to I don't want to bill I don't want you to charge me or you know a woman would be like I don't want you to coach me so you know it, it is always funny like this like no oh, you know but um. So, you know, you get those things, but it's you don't want to, just as a professional, you don't want to, it's, because it's, even, it's going to even be hard for a person to receive the direction or the guidance that you're giving mm-hmm. them um, because of the, the dilution of the friendship. So, and even with my clients, I'm really cool with a lot of my clients. You know, a lot of my clients still follow me to this day, um, who've been invited to weddings, et cetera, et cetera. And it's still it's all gravy, but I but there's even still a line there that I won't cross, um, because it uh, it would impede the, the work that's been done or been has been done in the past. So, uh, but yeah, I, you you have to keep those things separate. Um, there's no such thing as you know my coach or my my, my therapist or you know my um, counselor is my best friend. You know if they are your best friend, you, you got a problem. <laughs> Right, yeah, that was mentioned in the last hour. Absolutely. Yeah, to avoid that. 
um, or how do you know if you have a bad therapist? And if it feels like that, then you definitely delved and kind of, in a sense, crossed those lines. So it makes a lot of sense. We're actually up against our break here. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Method Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Again, if you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. I see some callers out there. If you want to get in, definitely press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. If you love black culture and black class, kings and queens, Delisa Designs is presenting the fashion show of the year. The evening will be one to remember, featuring Atlanta's finest dancers, dramas, singers, poets, and last but not least, some of Atlanta's finest designers, including Delisa Designs. Dinner, drinks, and after party will all take place at the beautiful Dawn Event Hall, located at 3201 Atlanta Industrial Parkway, Northwest Atlanta, on Sunday, July 11th at 4 p.m. Tickets and vendor booths are available on eventbrite.com. Search for The Sunrise Fashion Show or contact Delisa at 404-453-5865. Again, that's 404-453-5865. I promise you, you don't want to miss this show. We are outside. We are outside. So highly recommend that you check out The Sunshine Sunrise Fashion Show um, coming up in a few weeks here. Um, I'll probably be trying to check that out. But speaking of being outside for the Miss Dollar Community Club, if you are in the Atlanta area tonight at 7.30, we will be enjoying Jazz in the Alley, um, put on by the Sister Ziggy, her event. We're going to go support our first time getting together since February of last year in this damn pandemic, and so I'm glad to, um, I'm looking forward to seeing people. If you are a Mental Dialogue member, encouraging you to wear your T-shirt. Coach D'Amico's, I don't know if you're tied up this evening, but you are a Mental Dialogue member. We would like to highlight that fact. And if you're not, you know, come hang out with us um, this evening at Jazz in the Alley at the historic Norcross downtown area. Looking forward to that. But this morning's discussion question, are you honest with your therapist? Uh, special guest, Jari Cotman, as well as Coach D'Amico's. Uh, been having a lovely dialogue. Again, have some callers out there. If you're just enjoying and listening via phone, no problem. If you want to get in and give us your three cents or ask a question of our professionals, uh, you know, please press one um, to, to get in on this morning's discussion. Uh, Jari, again, getting, glad to have you with us. I'm going to start back with, with you in reference to, um, again, just, talking about that dynamic of, in a sense, not leaning on friends, but you mentioned the idea that you have had a couple of long-term clients, and that reminded me, mm-hmm. I don't know if you uh, um, heard in the first hour we were mentioning that uh, something that we do um, as a part of the uh, community club and part of um, the arts and culture show, we come together, both of these uh, communities come together, and we do an event every last Thursday via Zoom called the Community Checkup, Y'all All Right. And one of the things that one of our mm. 
therapist highlighted, and I and I love this session, was the idea of that a lot of the people that we admire and look up to, they have people like yourself, people like a coach D'Amico's in their lives, even when they're doing well, because quite often uh, y'all can, in a sense, help maintain a high level of performance. And so while we've talked about, in a sense, therapy in a lot of ways this morning, one thought is, and I never thought of it until a community checkup event where one of the therapists highlighted you can use therapy to maintain your performance, not just when you're needing help. So um, any thoughts, again, um, in reference to that, because you mentioned that some of your clients reaching these different goals and plateaus and they're still with you. So any thoughts on that, Queen? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, I mean, it's really honestly like one of the biggest um, joys that I get from the work is being able to witness all of these milestones and these changes that, that happen in people's lives over the course of one, two, three, and even four years. Um, and so, you know, honestly, I, I, I come from the lens of you don't work to come that far just to get that far. And so it requires a continued investment of your time, of your energy, and sometimes even your money. You know, we were talking earlier about the difference between that, that relationship and, and one of those biggest changes and differences is, is that you invest in it financially. Um, even people that I, you know, I see pro bono, I, I ask that maybe you pay something that shows that you're committed to this process and to this work, even if it's just a small amount, um, that it's not completely without without a cost. Um, even if you have insurance, maybe you have a copay or something like that that's part of the um, investment. And so it's, it's that investment of time and energy um, that you commit to this work. And so just because you have reached and achieved a certain status in your life, it doesn't mean that there's not still room um, for therapy and that therapeutic work because with new, new goals and new heights, and new levels comes, you know, new experiences and new things that you have to encounter. Oh, and so sometimes there are people who transition to more of like a maintenance mode and maybe they're not meeting as often as we once did, maybe once or twice, once a week or twice a month. Um, maybe you scale back to, to once uh, a month or, or even quarterly um, types of visits or as needed to sort of check in and keep that refining process going. Um, I don't know how many times I hear people say, Wow, Jerry, I never thought of that. Or when you put it like that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's just the ability to process through your own thoughts, your own feelings, and recognize how things are impacting you so that you can continue to grow um, into a space that feels good um, and, and keep elevating. Um, you know, and as you change and as you shift, the things that you attract shift and the people that you're encountering and the way you engage and all those things change. So. Um, it's, it's definitely critical, I think, to just to, to keep it to keep it going. So, um, I, but I'm there. You know, I, I used the analogy earlier this week with one of my long-term clients. Um, you know, like when we were first starting to work together, I was like, it's like riding a bike. You know, I was I was I was I was holding on while she was <laughs> trying to pedal and trying to get her get her balance together. And there mm-hmm. were times where I was a little nervous, and I was like, I might I'm a, I'm gonna see if I can let go. Um, but she's she, she's riding now, you know. She's she's soaring, and um, I told her I'm gonna take a step back, you know. So we scale back from twice a month to once a month, and I said I'm gonna take a step back. I'm still here. If you if you fall and you need some more guidance, I'm still here. I'm not completely going away. 
Um, but remember everything that we've worked on. Remember all those skills that we've, we've built on in this time that we've been working together. So, um, yeah, I, I like I like using stories and, and metaphors and analogies and things like that in the work because um, it just makes it make a little bit more sense. So that makes a lot of sense. It's all good with me. So now, so now you got you got her competing in the X Games down on the bike, doing all kind of tricks. And yeah, stuff. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Like, come on, you got it. You can do this. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Um, Coach Tobikos, yeah. um, you're always constantly talking about this, and it relates directly to this morning's discussion when we say, are you honest with your therapist? Uh, a lot of times you, again, addressing specifically, as you call yourself, that fear coach. I'm pretty sure a lot of your work with your clients includes, in a sense, that being honest, that, that honesty, the honesty with themselves, not just honesty with you, but being honest with themselves to break through or to say, hey, here's been your mental block for why, in a sense, you're not able to soar because, again, therapy doesn't have to be used only when things are going bad. But, again, I know you are quite encouraging people to reach heights and reach their goals and be the things that they want to be, and you're always addressing that fear that they have within themselves. And so, it's, again, it's about being honest with yourself. So any thoughts or, in a sense, that work and how you're doing that and helping people excel within their own lives and, and eventually, you know, not only becoming who they should be, but I know you also encourage a lot of the brothers to go, you know, find them a wife and make a family, uh, you know, after, after, in a sense, they've gotten themselves in order, if you will. I always see you encouraging that. So your thoughts on that, King? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, clients always get in – it never fails, they, especially during the – initial consultation, they get in there and they want, they leave with their ego. You know, they want to, because it's a very hard thing to, to be, to, it's already one to, to go out and seek the help. And then it's another level to have to really admit to um, the issue that you have. And then an even deeper level to admit to the accountability that you have to claim and in order to uh, foster change of this issue that you're having. So, um, yeah, class live to the ego all the time. But that's this is why I say it goes down to um, being a quality uh, a coach, a clinician, um, because you have to ask the right questions. The truth, no matter how mm-hmm. dishonest a person can be, most people I would say, the truth will always reveal itself, especially when you ask the right questions, um, because it's going to always lead to whatever that source is. Um, um, and that source issue for a client. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, the clients try to, you know, masquerade thing, that, and it, especially, you know, dealing with men and talking to men. It's, it's it's interesting because even I try to, I think the thing that I try to do is have intimate conversations, um, especially on my social media, um, on in a public setting. And it's hard to get uh, a lot of men and women co-ed to get, to get men to be vulnerable. Like, yeah, man, I, you know, um, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm going through, et cetera. So my page on the front end, I throw those really tough conversations out there. I throw those really tough thoughts out there. Um, and, you know, I, I, I let whatever happens, whatever people have thoughts have to say on the, on the, on the outside, you know, leave their comments because I know everybody's leading with their ego. But on the inside, I get men DM me all the time. <laughs> issues that they're going through of a post that spoke to them. I mean, constantly getting men. I'm even getting men who weren't cigar smokers, you know, now doing cigars. You know, they send me their cigar updates. And try, you know, so it's it's one of those things where it's. I definitely want to encourage the professionals out there. Don't get this this 
discouraged by the confrontation you may see on the, uh, you know, as you're promoting yourself, as you're putting yourself out there. Don't get discouraged by what you see, see by the commentators. Because trust and believe, your work is touching somebody and making a difference with somebody. And that needs to be the overall agenda, uh, not a popularity contest, you know, so not to get everybody to see that you're right. You know, it's, it's to make these differences um, offline um, or that have offline in, um, impacts. So, yeah, that's that's my thought. No, it makes sense. And, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, um, there's a there's – a, a, um, it was an end to the means or however you, a means to the end, I think is how you say that. And so, yeah, like sometimes people may confuse, you know, in a sense, how you're doing your work, if you will, from an online perspective. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, we got like a minute and a half before break, so I, could, I want to definitely start down this path. Um, I was promoting on IG and Facebook, and one of the questions I threw out was just the idea for African-Americans, if you will. Matter of fact, I've seen this this week from another friend. He just mentioned the idea that, for the most part, that we as African-Americans need therapy, and obviously that can be related to some of the bigger issues or, or, or systemic issues that we see in the country. And so I definitely want to get hot and heavy into just how y'all feel about that as individual therapists in reference to our community. And we also um, got, I think, Brother Calvin from South Carolina, where I'm from, um, wanting to get in as well. So we're going to go to uh, this break and then kind of explore um, from a collective standpoint, again, great advice for individuals who may have been fearful and the idea of how honesty is the key to you having success in therapy. But let's talk about it, if you will, from a collective standpoint as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Enjoy this cut again from Taylor Pace, one of my favorite cuts, Morning. We'll be right back. This at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. 
If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies' gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Are you trying to figure out your next income stream? Maybe get into cryptocurrency, real estate, or maybe even start your own business. If so, contact the KG Hire Company to receive a professional consultation or strategy session to provide you the advice you need to get a jump start on your new venture. If it's a new business, there's nothing like having a business consultant review your finances, strategy, or marketing. If it's real estate, the KG Hire Company specializes in evaluating deals for profitability and securing special financing for creative real estate acquisitions. If it's cryptocurrency, then look no further than the KG Hire Company to master the components of blockchain technology and investing into cryptocurrency. Serving Atlanta since 2016, the KG Hire Company is an industry leader in customer experience and getting your money's worth. Contact them at kghire.com or 833-544-9288. Again, that's 833-544-9288. KG Hyatt, one of our new sponsors, JG Hyatt Company. Please check them out at kghyatt.com. This morning's discussion question, are you honest with your therapist? Special guest, Jerry Cotman, as well as Coach D'Amico's. we got Brother Kevin out of South Carolina on the line for the other caller. If you want to get in, you do have to press 1. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. And, again, press 1 to let us know you want to speak and give us your three cents. Calvin, what's going on, King? How you doing this morning? What you got for us this morning? What's going on, kings and king and queens? Uh, now that I got uh, some therapists on there, I'm going to lighten the load on, on it for you. Now, you don't have to actually answer this because I don't want you to have to you know, run half your customers. But I want to find out this question here, me, me and many others. Now, is when a woman shaves up all her eyebrows or put them foot long eyelashes on, is she crazy? Mm-mm-mm. Yo, yo, that's the end of the question. You just said, is she crazy? I, I, mean, I, I wouldn't expect you to go a whole bunch of other directions with it because I know a lot of brothers got problems with that and I ain't tripping. But I ain't never heard anybody conclude hey. with is she crazy? So you actually asking these therapists if she got a bona fide certified mental health problem. That's a long way to go off some long eyelashes, brother. We keep it real here. So we're going to start with the lady. Uh, if you will, Jareen, we got mm. questions on the table. and um, you know, we, we got two rules. We got two rules on the Mental Battle Law talk show. We are not politically correct, really. <laughs> This brother is following the rule number one. And number two is bring your passion. So he's on here with that. But just be respectful. So we're going to respectfully answer this question, uh, Daree, if you will. It's, it's just crazy because the nails is long and the eyebrows is long. It's just crazy. And I ain't never heard it that way. But I'm going to go ahead and let you tackle it however you see fit, Queen. But thank you for being with the show because I'm going to 
I might have hung up on the brother, but we don't do that here. Go ahead. I'm, Go ahead. I'm pacing, I'm pacing back and forth. I'm pacing back and forth. Oh, she about to get in your stuff, Kevin. She about to get in your stuff. Listen, listen, but, um, listen. but here you go. Before you, before you answer, Queen, um, again, obviously we've been a little hilarious here, but but I, I, I'm pretty sure that to a degree this is coming from, in a sense, the underlying, which we were about to walk into this conversation anyway, um, but the underlying idea of, in a sense, how we – to include our women, see ourselves as a community, and sometimes or some of the fashion points and things that we see out there, there's always this dialogue and argument about whether we truly love ourselves. So sometimes that does come into question. And so I, I you know, me knowing Calvin a little, Calvin a little bit, I understand that while he's been a little facetious, <laughs> he's really kind of getting to that underlying idea of, in a sense, how some of our women in particular see themselves. So let's kind of, you know, again, really back a little bit and, uh, and hopefully, you're not, hopefully I'll calm you down a little bit, Queen, so you can answer without cussing this yeah. brother out. <laughs> I'm in here I trying to mediate for you, Kevin. Cuss out on the air because you know we don't mind cussing on this show. We don't mind. We again yeah. bring it past. <laughs> We're not really correct. So, Queen, if you still feel the need to cuss them out, that's on you, Queen. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. So, I mean, I, I, ha- I have a. a a counter question like what is crazy like how are we defining that because that's not that's not a a clinical word that's not an actual you know that's not an actual diagnosis that's not an actual um set of challenges it's a it's a blanket statement um but if there's a question (laughs) beneath that i would be happy to answer that um but the the reality is that you know as you as you said, you know, people have their own um, beauty standards, and they come from a number of different <laughs> sources, and, you know, that that looks different from person to person, woman to woman, and so if that is a woman's preference, then that is her preference. Um, you know, that's not to, you, without all of the background and all of the details, it's hard to say that, that we can deduce from that that she don't love herself or she don't really care about her body or anything along those lines, but it's hard to say without really having more information. So now, that's sense. my let me just, short Now, that's the short answer without getting cussed out, Calvin. But let me jump in a little bit and add a little more context, only because it came up on the community <laughs> Thursday night. Kelly, you crazy, brother. But anyway, with that, yeah, you don't want crazy. Matter of fact, that's not my thing. I'm not a, I'm not a clinician, so I can call you crazy if I want to. No, you're my boy, brother. I'm not crazy. Um, but anyway, um, but let's, let's let's again let's put this in context because again, this is often delved into for again collectively how we see ourselves. And so something that came up on the community checkup this Thursday night was a, a mother talking about, for example, her daughter, um, in a sense, uh, kind of. I think maybe 16 or maybe a little younger or maybe 14 or whatever, but her daughter, in a sense, wanting to, in a sense, start following a lot of the fashion trends that her mother was like, one, I don't think this is becoming of you. Um, One, I think you're too young for some of these things that you're looking to do. But naturally, um, our youth are obviously going to be copycat of what becomes fashionable. And there's definitely, you know, constantly, um, you know, black women can't live down, you know, this this has existed throughout all periods, whatever y'all are choosing to do, there's always this, unfortunate, you know, mm-hmm. a kind of an unfortunate dynamic between some black men and black women with how far you're going, and then there's this 
as you get conscious, if you will, there's this idea of um, being unapologetically black would mean that you, um, you can tell if you got something in the background, but I'm going to mute you, brother. I'll bring you back on in a second. Oh, you hear me? Yeah, okay. I can hear something in the background. I think that's you. Anyway, um, so I'll let, I'll let Kevin come back on in a second. Um, but anyway, this idea of, you know, this idea of being unapologetically black and not living up to maybe standards that are in a sense being put onto you. And then the other part of it, and I'm just, I know I'm saying a lot here, but I just kind of want to have you address it as a, as a sister and, and have um, Coach D'Amico's jump in as well. And then the last aspect of a lot of things that are done that, you know, men in a sense that, that, that a lot of men find just completely displeasing, and, but the idea is to mate with those same men. So there's a lot thrown in there, but just you know, in a sense, bigger thoughts, obviously getting away from the term crazy, if you will. Um, but just, mm-hmm, you know, in a sense, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts in, in, in regards to any of what I said? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's always, and this is huge for me, both personally and professionally, but there's room to acknowledge the both and. You know, I don't think we have to choose one or the other. The reality is that black women in America are in between cultures, you know, it, it is not a European standard to adorn ourselves in a certain way. It's very African um, to wear makeup and to add hair and to adorn ourselves in a certain way for, you know, our own um, satisfaction and our own pleasure. That's not to say that um, that's not something that we have to now consider because we are, you know, we're not in, in um, you know, our, our native land. Um, that's not to say that we don't have to then consider how does that align or how does that come up, up against um, maybe a standard that potential mates or partners may um, have for us. So that's another thing to, to consider, you know, coming into that space. Um, and so just as, um, you know, this young teenage girl might be like, okay, now I want to consider um, all of these other additions, you know, we that's what we've done, always done. That's what we've done over time. Um, and so, no, it may not be what everyone likes, but that's 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 her standard, and that's that may be what she wants. And of course, I would um, encourage and have conversation about just appreciating who you are and what you have and your own natural beauty. Um, but that's not just something you can say to someone one time. That's something that you have to practice. That mm-hmm. is something that has to be modeled. Um, that's something that has to be um, not just said with words, but shown with action. You know, I, I, I so you know, I know we have um, other brother on the call. He works primarily with men. I work primarily with women and teenage girls. And oftentimes, you know, across the age span, I'm asking. Um, you know, where did you learn how to love yourself? Where did you learn how to appreciate your body? And we oftentimes are not formally taught those things. And so it's important, even if that's something that is said to you in your in your space, in your surroundings, that it's something that's modeled. You know, people say things, you know, mothers bring their, their teenage daughters and say, I just don't know, you know, where she got this from. Yeah, I don't know where she would get an idea like this from, but what, how do you talk to yourself? Every time you open your mouth, you're you're saying disparaging comments about yourself. You know, where 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 are they learning that from? And it's not just it would be unfair to put all of that on just a single source and put that on who's at mm-hmm. home, but who else is in the village? Who else is in the community? Mm-hmm. Where are you modeling that? 
Um, and so I, I get to be that for some people, and that's what I consider myself is just an extension of the village, an extension of the of their communities. Not that there's something wrong or problematic, but I'm just another person in the village that they get to to, to witness self-care. They get to witness what it means to show up. You know, one week I might have my hair twisted. One week I might have braids. The next week I got a head wrap on. The next week, you know, it, I, mm-hmm. I got an afro. It's just, it, it, it is what it is, but it's an appreciation. It's a modeling, and it's not just coming from me saying words, but it's coming from my actions as well, and that's something that I think has to be um, done across the board. No, nah, it makes sense. Just as long as you ain't showing up at the therapy sessions with a bonnet on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm being funny right now. I'm being funny right now. I'm being funny right now. Yeah, uh, and I got the break. And I got the break to save my day. I got the break to save my day. So you can't even beat me up. <laughs> we are going to break currently right now as we speak. So can't nobody beat me up right now. We'll be right back. No, never. Yeah, all I, a conversation. We never, we never fighting. We can fight with words, but never fighting. Hey, hey, hey. It, was just, it, was just, it was just right there. You said it on the teeth for me. You're like, I show up with twist on, yeah. I show up with brave. I was like, well, what about it? I'm, I'm yeah. being funny. I'm being funny. Now, we'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Thank you. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478 478- 781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways. Every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. If you have a product or service you want to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please give me a call directly at 404. 404- Six zero four nine four seven seven, or follow us on social media and inbox me. Uh, you can find us at Mint on IG at Mental underscore Dialogue, as well as on Facebook um, by my name Montoya Smith, or on the Facebook Mental Dialogue page. Um, search for those and DM me if you are interested. If you are an individual, keep Intelligent Radio on the air. Become a supporter at mentaldialogue.com. If you're outside of Atlanta, if you're in Atlanta, become a member of the Mental Dialogue Community Club. Again, highlighting 7.30 tonight, Jazz in the Elliott, historic downtown Norcross, free event, bring your own drinks, bring your own food. We're going to have a good time as our first get-together since February. And the Mental Dialogue Live experience, I will have to change that commercial. We'll be moving to Wednesday night, and we'll July the 14th will be Mental Dialogue and the KG Hyatt Company presenting the live experience for those who've been fortunate enough to be participate in the smartest event 
and networking event in, in all of the city, but we haven't done it in over a year thanks to this pandemic. So look forward, stay tuned as we continue and start promoting the live experience for July the 14th, Wednesday night. With that said, this morning's discussion question, are you honest with your therapist? I still got Kevin out there on the line. I got another caller on the line. If you want to get in, 914 Please press one if you're online. This is our last segment. You've got a few minutes to still get in. 646-787-1691. Coach D'Amico's kind of wanted to get your thoughts. Um, again, you um, mostly dealing with black men in reference to some of what Kelvin said, men having, in a sense, an issue with, if you will, these various beauty standards. But like Jerry uh, said, um, we're in between cultures. And one thing that – uh, that we do better than anything is whatever the industry standard is, we are going to remix it. That is our gift to the mm-hmm. world. And sometimes, you know, as black men, we don't always like those remixes, but it's not necessarily, as, you know, for us to like or whatever. But again, there's been these big discussions. I was being super facetious because I did not participate in the bonnet, online bonnet discussion over the last <laughs> few weeks. Um, I didn't participate at all. But again, you reset me up so easy. It's so pretty. I had to say something mm-hmm. about it. So. I haven't been one of these people that's been for or against. I usually leave those questions alone because our sisters got it hard enough as is. But your thoughts, um, Coach Tobikos, on, again, some of what um, our caller Calvin is bringing to the table about um, those beauty standards and how we see them as African-American men. Go ahead, King. All right. So my take ain't about to be far. <laughs> um, so let me say this. Because I I hear that often a, a lot of the time as a rebuttal when it comes to um, men or women um, creativity, and we always point back to our ancestors did it back in Africa. Well, one thing we don't always highlight is that our ancestors too dealt with issues of being of exclusion and inclusion, of of mm-hmm. self esteem, of depression, etc. You know, it didn't have the same term or label, but it still it those that need to belong to something, to be approved for something, has always existed as uh, as long as there's always been more than one human being. So um, that is that, you know. So when we see the sisters doing wearing all the fly stuff, and listen, and everybody who knows me and follows my page know I love my strippers. Like I'm in the strip club, <laughs> not as weekly as it used to be, but I'm there. You know, I love my they go to Miami, they get the, the BBL, the everything. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with everything. But I know how to separate the fun from what's reality. I know to separate the, the, the fetish and the fantasy of a black woman from the reality of a black woman. And so to sit here and for us all to act like, to act like it's normal to uh, see black women walk around in these uh, peacock wear or in half naked and all these all these independent uh <clears throat> um identities that they cloak it to be that all comes out of pimp culture the same thing with men when you see men come walking around with all these chains or our pants sagging or you know or, or money money phone is a big thing that's all pimp this is all pimp culture we can't all all the adults of us can't all act like this stuff is normal just because it's popular and we all have to keep in mind as the conscious individuals that this is all driven by consumer corporations who make money off of this. They're, it's, they're, they have to push these images of pimp-hole culture that we happily oblige to and accept because it makes dollars. And, it's, and, and you're going to – and to speak against that, 
you, it says as if uh, the cloak is always, oh, you're speaking against the individuality of womanhood. I don't care. You know, we black men have to take our community back. We have to take um, our position in, in the world back and, and lead with what's reality. We all, both sides, have to do what's best to be for um, our obligation of community, which is companionship. We all need to be creating more black families, not more black single families. So if doing this, that, and the third isn't going to attract men, and you say, I don't do it for the men, that's fine. Just As long as you're not having babies, you can do it for yourself all you want. But when you got babies out here who need fathers, when, you got, when you're got you a man out here and you need a woman, you we all are obligated to it. There's a sense of obligation we have to have for each other that has to be higher than our individual egotistical selves uh, desire uh, of uh, of the world. So that's my talk, my take on. I told you, it wasn't. I love what you just said, brother. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I love what you just said, and and what I like to, because I do after school program, and uh, well, I'm a part of one. It's not my program, so I don't want to say that incorrectly. Uh, but love children, love youth, and so what I love to describe, and you kind of laid it out perfectly, if you will, Coach Nikos, in my opinion, is I love to explain to them there's time and place, time and place, and quite often. I think you're correct, Coach, because in the idea that the way things are delivered publicly, because, again, you are up against that corporate um, machine that's pushing things for the dollar, right? And so there's this backlash or cancel culture anytime you don't, in a sense, fit into what's normally said, and, and, and they're not even willing to listen to the dialogue of time and place, because that's what, in a sense, young people with the over-consumerism, they're not going to be it's not going to often it's not going to be explained to them there's a time and place for everything like you said as an individual do what you like but in if in fact one day you're deciding i want to be with another person then consideration for what that looks like and how you in a sense best raise a family then there's a time and place to in a sense i agree, agree with you grow up and move away from the things that are not beneficial in that sense, like you said, do what you want while you're on your own. But yes, I have to make cons- mature considerations for what work. And you're right, a lot of what's going to be pushed pushed corporately because it makes dollar makes dollars is pimp and whole culture. So I agree with you 100. percent And sometimes, as you said, you can't even speak against it from the standpoint of developing a family and what that responsibility looks like and requires because it's definitely very different and a lot of things that play into that culture are detrimental to family. Um, Jari, any thoughts um, in reference to, again, how we're coming as black men saying, hey, you know, to to a degree, uh, you know, with, with, with the individual I'm with, you know, maybe we can have a say-so in, in, in how each other present themselves in the public uh, if we say we are together, which, again, doesn't apply to all black women, but it, it does matter to, in a sense, for who I want to be my wife or who I am, in a sense, representing as her husband, if you will. Any thoughts on that, Queen? Ooh, yeah, that's um, that's heavy. That's that's quite uh, a uh, a question, but I think, you know, I think we, we led into this conversation um, on an important note in, in knowing that we cannot and do not operate in isolation. You know, um, it's unfortunate that the individualistic view is so popularized and so promoted, mm-hmm. like I'm an individual being individual, but we have to consider, you know, family and community because that's in our nature. 
that's in our nature to do. So we have to be thoughtful about those things. And that's not to say that there's only one way to do that. Um, but it is important that we ha- we operate keeping the the family, the village, the community in mind. That's not to say you do what they say do. That's not to say you don't have your own, you know, desires and passion and all that, but you have to be considerate of the entire unit. And so when I say that, you know, the the reality is we have to be thoughtful of what this what what are the greater implications of what this means or something and, and you know, because we, we sort of took a little side trip because we started talking about, <laughs> we started with therapy. Um, we, we landed on this, but the reality is we have to be able to model um, these types of, of interactions in the therapeutic relationship as well as outside of. And so just keep keeping in context this, like, notion of um, of the unit, of the village, of the culture, like, what does this mean, what does it represent? And so, like, when I see sometimes people getting frustrated about things or getting having really strong emotions around it it's the what's underneath it that that's really about it's not the it's not about the any of the, the things that have been um hot tip top uh, hot ticket items in um you know in in the culture lately around the bonnets and the lashes and the brows and the hair and all mm-hmm. of that it's about what is this what does it look like what are the implications how will people view us how will people treat us as a result of that. Well, I'll, no. you know, I'll tie together, yeah, because definitely, um, you know, obviously this started with, you know, are the, do the long lashes make make you crazy, if you will, but we're kind of circling back around. And so, <laughs> um, you know, again, I just, but I think it, I'm going to tell you how I think it relates, and then I want y'all to get out y'all public information. Yeah. But the way I think it relates, if you will, is just what we even talked about, the idea of understanding how getting premarital therapy, if you will, versus a lot of people that have never considered that. And just knowing that you can constantly have a coach or a therapist that, in a sense, helps you, in a sense, live your best life. And if your idea is to live with another, so I'm just circling it all the way back to say a therapist can help you with that, if you will, and how to distinguish, uh, in a sense, how to, in a sense, remain yourself as an individual, as Coach D'Amico said, within that context of a unit, if you will, but just having deeper dialogues about what does this mean and how can we remain a family unit because that's something that we're still, in a sense, fighting to get back, if you will, culturally. So that's, in a sense, how I'll tie that bow and knot together. Um, but with that surgery, if you will, uh, let people know how they can follow you, uh, receive services or whatever else you want to share publicly. Please do that at this time. Thank you for being on with us, Queen. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate just being able to share a little bit um, with myself and, and, you know, and, and given the opportunity, we'll be happy to keep, um, you know, building on this conversation. But my, um, I can be reached through my website. Um, real simple is um, That's my website. Um, I'm also on Instagram. It's a professional, um, it's my business page. It's my first name, J-A-R-E-E underscore L-C-S-W-C. That's Licensed Clinical Social Worker Certified. Um, That's what that acronym stands for, just in case you forget all of them letters. (laughs) And then um, my Facebook um, for my business is Afia, A-F-Y-A, Counseling and Wellness Services. so that's all of the ways people can reach me and, and stay connected. Uh, right now I'm not taking um, individual clients, but always recruiting for uh, ongoing groups, workshops, okay. um, community let me, let me programs. 
Now, thank you, Quinn. Let me let this Coach D'Amico's in here real quick. Um, if you will, Coach, how, no Coach D'Amico's, how, they, how can they reach you? you got about 30 seconds. Make it quick, King. Yeah, you can just find me on uh, Facebook, Coach D'Amico's Chambers, type in Career Coach, um, or Instagram at Fearless Black Men. Um, also go to, uh, yeah, just Google me, Fear Coach, Fear Coach D'Amico's. Um, you'll find me. All right, sounds good. Black Men and Cigars podcast as well, co-host of that great show. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.